I'm actually going to borrow this term from Cole Kublik, and I'm giving credit where credit is due. This is going to be referred to forever as Lettuce Week because you don't want it's there. It is what it is. It doesn't really make the sandwich better, and it also doesn't really add any value whatsoever to your regular season schedule. I want to see this week completely destroyed. All right, welcome in. It's always college football. Today is Wednesday, November 16th. We hope you're having a wonderful day, whatever's you're getting the content, whether that's on the ESPN YouTube channel, or if you're here with us via the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. Tell your friends, too. Word of mouth is huge. We don't have a marketing budget, so we appreciate the word of mouth that you're spreading so far. We're going to talk about the college football rankings release. Not a crazy... You know, and not, nothing that really earth shattering, nothing that really made you kind of alter your opinion. We'll hit a few different things and, and kind of dive into a thing or two that kind of stood out to me. So we'll dive into those. Wait on just a minute. But if you're expecting some dramatic reaction, you're, you're probably not going to get it here. Not today. Not like we had a couple weeks ago when we lost our mind about TCU being at number seven. And we're going to also talk a little bit about rivalries, about how we've kind of had to sacrifice some rivalries as a result of realignment, but there's no reason why some of those rivalries can't get played again. You'll just have to check it out. You'll have to see. And then finally, talk a little bit about SEC. I guess we want to call it, some have called it Cupcake Week. We're going to coin it with a different term. I'll explain momentarily. But let's kick it off by talking about the rankings release. Let's talk about it. All right, let's dive in. Maybe not an earth-shattering college football playoff rankings release, but there are some things that I think we need to point to, especially as it relates to some of the teams ranking at the top. Also, too, a couple things at the bottom of the rankings that are just still mesmerizing, for lack of a better word. But let's get into it. Let's start at number one, Georgia. Do we really need to spend any more time there? Like, we know Georgia's won. We're good. Bada-bing, bada-boom. We're off and running. Number two, Ohio State. And anything you want me to say there? Like, okay, Ohio State, they play this week on the road at Maryland. I think it's an interesting game, one that will break down, one that I might be on the call for. Either way, something that we will certainly talk about uh, later in the week. But Ohio State, appropriately two. Michigan, appropriately three. Nothing wrong with that. For whatever reason, at four, people are still having a very, difficult time wrapping their head around the idea that TCU is at number four. Like I'm looking at you, Tennessee fans, like look at how TCU won last week. I'm not saying you have to say, yeah, well, I'd pick TCU over, you know, Tennessee. Like if you are a Tennessee faithful, if you love the volunteers, by all means support your team, but you also must tip your cap. Like, did you see them win in a way in which you couldn't win? TCU last week, they matched the physicality of the Texas Longhorns and exceeded the physicality of the Texas Longhorns in holding the Longhorns to under 200 yards of offense. Like, if you're actually going to try to shoot holes in TCU's resume, this is not the week to do it. I might also acknowledge now that there might be, just might be, even in defeat, assuming TCU, and I, look, I'm not assuming this, I think TCU is in prime position to get through Baylor and to get through Iowa State. Like I think that they'll take care of business against both those two teams. I think Baylor's going to be a tricky one. 
Like it's going to be a tricky one, no doubt. Going to Waco's no easy feat. And it's a tricky one, but I think TCU will survive. I just after last week, I am a believer, as much of a believer as I've been in TCU in quite some time. But I am, and I've liked that team all year. Y'all know I've liked TCU all year. I like TCU in the summer when we were talking about regular season win totals and the possibly take some long shot flyers in some of these leagues. So I've liked TCU now for several months. I was not sold on them being able to play at the top of college football from a physicality standpoint until what I witnessed last week and them completely shutting down Bijan, them harassing Quinn Ewers, and them really taking it to the Texas offense that had been pretty good at times this year. So TCU appropriately ranked fourth. Here's where it gets interesting, though, with TCU. Okay? TCU, let's say they lose this week to Baylor. Say it's close. Say TCU is already in the Big 12 championship game. They've already, they've already qualified there, so that's done. Let's say they lose on the road at Baylor this week. And I'm not trying to get into like the crazy hypotheticals. Y'all, we're now looking at a situation in which TCU, even in defeat this week, could potentially still have wins against the number 15 ranked Kansas State. They could have two wins against Kansas State. And taking it one step further, they might have a win against another ranked team in Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State is actually now in the rankings. So TCU, I think, is well-positioned even in defeat this week, to still potentially find their way into the college football playoff. Those will say there's there's no way of that. I, I think it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm saying it's possible, especially knowing where Kansas State currently resides on the number 15 line. Pretty good spot to be. Tennessee, meanwhile, sits at number five. And I've said for a while, Tennessee is in dangerous territory. You can, you can acknowledge that. You can totally shoot holes in that. That's fine. Tennessee has two games left. They play on the road in both, even though I've said it tongue-in-cheek. And some of y'all caught it as an Easter egg. I said they play two home games that are going to sandwich the one road game. I said that intentionally because when you play at Vanderbilt, oftentimes it's a home game for the volunteers. But some people caught it. Some people didn't. Either way, it was still kind of fun. Uh, anyways, you have two games against teams that right now are Vanderbilt is four and six and South Carolina six and four. So they are a combined 10 and 10. Okay. There's no meat on your resume right now in the final two games. Now, there's plenty of meat on your resume with the performances against LSU. There's plenty of meat on your resume with the performance against Alabama. Okay. Two phenomenal wins that most teams cannot even measure up to. I mean, you look at strength of record, offensive efficiency, all these other things. Like there's a lot of teams that have nothing near what Tennessee has. The problem is Tennessee has two games down the stretch that will be somewhat lackluster, South Carolina and the Vanderbilt Commodores. So Tennessee, I think, is in a position where they do not control their own destiny. I think a lot of people will say, yes, they do. Okay, well, if you think they do, by all means, totally respect that. Do me a favor and please go back to the year 2015 and look at the teams that got in the college football playoff. Okay, 2015, it was a long time ago. I don't expect you to remember it off the top of your head. I even had to pull some reference because it was difficult for me to remember exactly how it all went down. Anyways, the final rankings, if you will, that the College Football Playoff Committee gave us were as follows. Clemson was an undefeated ACC champion. 
Alabama was a one-loss SEC champion. Michigan State was a one-loss champion of the Big Ten. But if you remember, most people will look at that Michigan State team and say, yeah, you know what? They really weren't very good. They actually were subpar. And I don't think they were... Very, I mean, most people would look at them and say, yeah, that, that team was very average. You know who also is getting that kind of average label? The USC Trojans. The USC Trojans have one loss right now. Now, you could think they're average. You could think they stink. You could think all these other things. They have one loss. And the possibility of them getting to the college football playoff is extremely real. Right now, they're number seven. Okay, they obviously need LSU to lose to get out of the way. But I think when push comes to shove, let's just, I'm using history as a precedent here. You can take it, you can leave it, you can deny it, you can, you can agree with it. It's whatever you want. 2015 is the best example. We all looked at Michigan State and said, that team stinks, they're flawed. They have, no, they have absolutely no business being in the college football playoff. Well, guess what? They got in. Why? Because they had one loss and they won their conference. Okay? Oklahoma, one loss, won their conference. Okay, 2015 is the year. Clemson, one. Bama two, Michigan State three, Oklahoma four. You know who sat there at number seven, but most people thought that they were actually the best team in the entire country that year in 2015? The Ohio State Buckeyes. You know where Ohio State was in the penultimate rankings release? They were actually at number six. So Ohio State... In the second-to-last rankings release, they were sitting at number six. People thought there was... Hey, if you go by the eye test, that team is the best team in America, or at least in the mix. They're definitely in the top four. Definitely in the top four. Well, guess what? Ohio State, in the final rankings, second-to-last, remember, they were sixth. In the final rankings, they were actually seventh. You want to know why? Because they got passed by a one-loss Pac-12 champion. Actually, take that back. They got passed by a two-loss Pac-12 champion. That would be the Stanford Cardinal. That was the Christian McCaffrey-led Stanford Cardinal. So we saw a team very similar to that of Tennessee. Okay, An elite team with a great resume, with great personnel that had only one loss, but they didn't win their division. They didn't play for a conference championship. I, we saw them slide from six to seven. Ohio State, six to seven. i just telling you, Tennessee, if Pac-12 champion has one loss, do not be surprised. Prepare yourself accordingly for USC to jump Tennessee and find their way into the playoff mix at 12-1. and one. If they played right now in a neutral site, I'm taking Tennessee. But just be prepared. When you look at the Trojans, they could very well find their way in and history History has a way of repeating itself, and precedent is real when it comes to this situation. All you need to do is look at the respect right now that the committee is giving the Pac-12. Just look at it. Number 23, Oregon State. SC beat them at their place. Pretty good situation for you. Notre Dame, also on SC schedule, currently sitting there at number 18. Utah could find their way. Uh, back on the SC schedule, 
if Utah can beat Oregon this week, and that's a big if they go to Oregon, but Utah has had Oregon's number in recent years. This feels like a little bit of a Pac-12 semifinal game. Either way, Utah is sitting there at number 10. Oregon's at number 12. Washington's at 17. UCLA's at 16. Y'all, the Pac-12 is as well-represented a league as there is in the entire country. And you really think the Pac-12 champion with one loss isn't going to get in? And that Pac-12 champion has a non-conference win against a ranked Notre Dame team? I think you're crazy if you're trying to deny that possibility. You can deny it all you want. I think you're crazy. Ultimately, if you're Tennessee, you still have a pathway in. But you need, you absolutely need Notre Dame to beat USC. Or you need one of the two lost Pac-12 teams to beat USC. Could be UCLA this weekend. Could be Utah or Oregon in the championship game. And even in some backwards reality world, Washington could potentially play SC as well in the Pac-12 championship game. So USC, very well positioned, but they got to take care of business and it won't be easy, especially knowing the three opponents they have in three consecutive weeks in each of the next few weeks. Let's talk about just the rest of the top 25 rankings quickly. I've already hit a few of them. Bama's at eight. It stops at seven, by the way. I heard someone on the rankings release show just a little while ago say, yeah, everyone underneath Clemson could get in. I, I don't agree with that. I think it stops at seven. I think the top seven teams all have a pathway to the playoff. Anyone that's eight and above, I don't see it happening. Bama's at eight. Clemson's at nine. No problem with that. It is what it is. I thought Bama had a nice win this past weekend. Appropriately ranked in the top eight. Should get to a New Year's six, but either way, appropriately ranked at eight and nine, both those teams. They shouldn't be ahead of anyone that's in front of them. So I'm perfectly fine with what we see right there. I love right now that the Pac-12, like I referenced, is getting the love that they deserve. It's a good league this year. It's a very, very good league. Much better than it's been in recent years. I already referenced the fact that it feels like there's a little bit of a Pac-12 semifinal going on this weekend between the 10 and the 12 ranked team. At Oregon, of course, Utah, can they get it done on the road? If they do, I think they likely punch their ticket to the Pac-12 championship game. Of course, that hinders on USC beating UCLA this weekend as well. Penn State is at 11. Why is that interesting? And I, I, I don't think this is a likely possibility, by the way, because I think this scenario is even less likely in some cases than Tennessee getting in. The loser of Ohio State and Michigan, if it's close, if it's an all-time great game, does the loser still have a chance? Well, I thought Penn State at 11 gives them a possible chance, but I still think it's relatively unlikely. And now if Michigan wins this weekend in Columbus, I think Ohio State would have a better chance of getting back into the mix because of that non-conference win over Notre Dame and the fact that they beat Penn State at their place. So I think that Ohio State, they could survive a loss more likely than a Michigan team. But either way, I think both those teams, it's a, it's a playoff game. In Columbus. That's what it is. Simple as that. It's a playoff game. Losers out. I think more than likely the loser is out. North Carolina is in a great spot, but not within striking distance of the playoff, nor is Clemson, even though those two teams will tee it up a couple weeks from now in the ACC championship game. I referenced the fact that Kansas State is significant. I think Kansas State's really good. Kansas State had TCU on the ropes. What if TCU is 12-0 and loses to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game? Can TCU still hold on to a playoff spot? Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for TCU 
to be in the playoff if they lose in the conference championship. I, I know that, hey, all 13 data points should be created equal. No, they shouldn't. Conference championship games should be weighted heavier. But, you know, at least TCU played in one. Tennessee's not going to play in one. So if you're being measured against Tennessee, would you still potentially have a little bit more meat on your resume to maybe make it in? I don't know. If I'm TCU, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. That's for sure. TCU needs to run the table for sure, for sure, to get in. But I do think a loss this week at Baylor could potentially be overcome. Florida State, love that they're finally getting the recognition they deserve. I think they should be higher, personal opinion. I think that's a really good football team and a team I do not want to play right now. Oklahoma State being in, of course, that helps TCU as well. They're at 22. We reference Oregon State, how that benefits USC as well. And then finally, what the heck are we doing? How is NC State still in the rankings? I, I mean, I just, for the life of me, I don't understand it. Like, I understand, hey, we're, we're always trying to find a, a rhyme and a reason for, for what, what goes where and who's, who's ranked where and why and all these other things. I, I just, anyone that's watched NC State this year, very impressed with what they do defensively. I'm not denying that. They just lost to Boston College. How are you still ranked? Boston College is three and seven with one of their wins coming against NC State. This team has no business being ranked in the top 25. They had no business being ranked in at any other point too. Just watch them. They've been atrocious. And for them to drop just eight spots this weekend, they were so overrated last week and they continue to be overrated this week. I'm not trying to get all fed up and all bothered and all mad and everything, but goodness gracious, man, like just watch them and tell me if you think that looks like a top 25 football team because they aren't. I can watch 15 other teams that I've been more impressed with than what I've seen from NC State this year. I know they've had to overcome adversity. I applaud that they've, you know, they still continue to fight even though they've lost Devin Leary, but goodness gracious, alive. I'm sorry. I just can't justify. I know you have a win against Florida State. I get that, but I cannot under any circumstances justify them being ranked in the top 25 right now. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, we all know, and we've talked about it on this show and other shows, that rivalries are ultimately the most important thing when it comes to college football. They are. If you actually ask and do a poll and a focus group, and we at ESPN, we have our seminar every single summer, and we look through all the different things that move the needle amongst college football fans. You, know, you have the Heisman Trophy discussion, playoff discussion, conference championships, like all these other things, right? You know what's number one by a wide margin? Rivalries. OK, 
right? Because everybody's got them. In some cases, you got two or three. Maybe in, if you're in the Big Ten, every game it feels like in November's for a trophy. So it's pretty amazing to me just how important rivalries are. And unfortunately, because of where we're at in college football, conference realignment has forced us to retire a rivalry or two. One that is going away here in the very near future is Bedlam. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State hate to see it go by the wayside. And you could tell based on Mike Gundy's comments earlier this year that he's disappointed about it as well. Bedlam is history. We all know that. We've known that. Because OU chose to follow Texas and the money to the SEC. It's okay. Is that a fact? Okay. So now, we're having what I think are childish discussions, in my opinion, okay, over something that's done. And I would like to, like, make this the last statement I have because I have no hard feelings. But what's going on now is is almost a situation with a husband and a wife or a girlfriend and a boyfriend. When you know you're dead wrong and you try to turn the table and make them think they're wrong. When Oklahoma State has no part in this, we didn't have anything to do with their negotiations with the SEC. We didn't have any choice on choosing to leave the conference. They did. So everybody needs to get over it and move on and quit trying to turn the tables. It's somewhat comical that they still want to bring us into this equation. Well, Mike Gundy, he echoes the sentiment of so many others that have experienced their rivalries being torn apart. It's always a point of, you know, he said, she said, it's always finger pointing. Oh, who he's at fault. It's their fault. You're not the first and you're not the last team to be affected negatively by conference realignment. I hate it. I, I hate that we have lost a little bit in an effort to create better matchups and provide more opportunities to funds and a better conference affiliation and all these other things. We have abandoned some of the traditions and the historical significance of college football. We acknowledge that, okay? Uh, some people say it's progress. Some people say it's greed. Some people say it's gluttony. Some people say whatever it is. It, all those things are probably true. But we only have a couple bedlams left. So let's celebrate the one that's coming up here in just a couple days. I think we all have a lot to look forward to, even though Oklahoma's not as good, maybe Oklahoma State not as healthy, and they both have had kind of a disappointing finish to what we're promising starts to the season, but it hasn't really materialized. So let's celebrate the ones we have left. But you're not alone, Bedlam. You're not. In the last handful of years, we've seen so many rivalries go by the wayside in an effort to strengthen their position, teams strengthening their position for the future, so, hey, you know what? We'll just get rid of this rivalry. We don't need it anymore. We can live without them, right? That's everyone's approach. But let's take a moment to acknowledge some of the rivalries that have been lost because of conference realignment. Let's just take it just a little bit further south, a rivalry that is maybe, you know, being renewed because of what's going to happen as Texas joins the Southeastern Conference. If you look at the fact that, yes, Bedlam is going away, or at least for the moment it's going away, Hopefully, cooler heads will prevail and they'll acknowledge at some point down the road that the fan bases ultimately want Oklahoma to play Oklahoma State. Both sides of the fan base want that. Now, you might not admit that right now, but at some point here, five, six, seven years from now, as Oklahoma State cools off and as Oklahoma starts to acknowledge, all right, what do our fans really want? Hopefully, that game will get played. It's exactly what's gone down with Texas 
and Texas A&M. This is the last time this game was played is back in 2011. It's been a while, obviously, since Texas has played against Texas A&M. It was played on Thanksgiving. I think we all remember you know, that heated rivalry that, that I grew up with as a kid from Dallas-Fort Worth. This was a rivalry that, that I loved. Absolutely loved. I mean, these teams played each other every year since 1915 until 2011. And then as soon as A&M left for the SEC, it was like, nope, we don't need Texas anymore. And Texas like, nope, we've never needed A&M. And they decided to end what was an important game for both sides. Like, let's rise above it, man. Just because conference realignment is going down, just because there are a lot of emotions at stake when it comes to conference realignment. Let's not allow emotions to get in the way of what's best for our programs. Like I want to see Bedlam continue. I know Mike Gundy will say what he wants to say right now. I know those that are affiliated with Oklahoma, they'll say what they want to say right now. But y'all, let's make it a priority in the future to get that game played here towards the end of the regular season, regardless of what conference Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are in. Get the game played. Look at what happened this past year. When we finally, for the first time in a really long time, what did we bring back? The backyard brawl. West Virginia and Pitt. Remember, for a while there, there were a lot of people saying, well, no, Pitt, I, we don't need them. We don't want them. We don't want to play them. Why would we want to play them? Fair enough. Get that. Totally understand that. But here we are after 10 years of having not played it. The two teams that are separated by just 80 miles, they played it again. And how good was it there in the first week of the regular season? On Thursday, unofficially kicking off the college football season. It was phenomenal. All right, you know another game that has been played recently, finally, because cooler heads finally prevailed? Nebraska and Oklahoma. There was a whole generation that never watched Nebraska and Oklahoma face off on Thanksgiving. Think about that. Obviously, preeminent powers there in the Big Eight back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I mean, this was the rivalry game that like, I kind of grew up with alongside Texas and Texas A&M, Texas and OU, and then it was Nebraska-Oklahoma. Like, those were the three games living in Dallas-Fort Worth that I cared most about. And to think that we went a long time without seeing those two teams play because Oklahoma and Nebraska. Nebraska went to the Big Ten, and Oklahoma was all fed up about it. Well, Get the game played. It matters. It matters. Maybe not every year, but let's get it played on a fairly regular basis. All right? I'm talking to you, Missouri and Kansas. I'm talking to you, Notre Dame and Michigan. I'm talking to you, Pitt and Penn State. I'm talking to you, Miami and Florida. These are all rivalry games that have gone by the wayside, but yet still very much move the needle. What about Virginia and Maryland? I know a lot of people are probably like, wait, what? That's a rivalry? Yeah, heck yeah, that's a rivalry. Get those games played. I'll give you a random one. How about this? How about one from more of the modern era? How about Boise State and TCU? How about you get that game played? Because I remember back once upon a time, those two teams, they were the top of the food chain when it came to the group of five. Top of the food chain. Would play each other in New Year's Six Bowl games. Back then it was BCS Bowl games. But I mean, the very best of the best of the best amongst the group of five. And honestly, if you really want to look at it, I mean, tell me those two teams, you think they couldn't beat any single person they scheduled? I think they could have personally, at least at their best 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago. I mean, these are games that need to be protected. 
for a while there, we didn't have the holy war between BYU and Utah for a while there. Now, they finally got it scheduled again. Hopefully, they'll continue to schedule that game. But for a while, we didn't have that. I mean, these are the things that we need to protect. While I understand we're all looking for greener pastures. Greener, by the way, the operative word there. Greener because we all want to line our pockets a little bit more. We want our programs to have as much money as possible moving forward so that we can have better access to recruits, so that we can have more money to provide for facilities, so that we can provide a better experience for the student athletes that are currently on campus. More money is great, but let's not completely abandon who we are and let's not let feelings get in the way of what's a very important game to both sides. Quit pretending like you're above the rivalry. You're not. You're not. You care Even if that team spurns you and leaves you, even if you guys go your separate ways, no individual school is above that of their rival. They might think they are, but the rivalry game matters and it needs to be protected. So I hope very much, I hope very much that as we move forward five, six, seven years from now, as cooler heads prevail when USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten, when Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC, when all these other, when the dust has settled, if you will, when it comes to realignment this time around, let's get some games back on the schedule that matter to folks. Get them back on the schedule that matter to folks. Make it a priority. Make sure it's your highest priority when scheduling non-conference. And then we'll be able to hopefully move forward with important games on each week of the regular season schedule. All right, this has been something I've been very outspoken about for quite a while now. And I have said from the very beginning of my time in front of a microphone, nine years now, I might add, uh, getting a little long in the tooth. But either way, I have said from the very beginning that as a player, I loathed the second to last week of the regular season. As a player, I loathed it. Why? Because I just ran a gauntlet for the last six weeks where I had to be at my best every single week. And as a competitor, that fuel that allowed me to prepare and be at my best on Saturday goes missing in the second to last week of the regular season. I'm talking about what some have considered to be cupcake week. Cupcake week. Okay? Cupcake week. I don't call it cupcake week. All right? I actually am going to borrow a term from my dear friend, Cole Kublik, who I do the radio show with every morning. I actually like his term for it much better than Cupcake Week. Why? Because Cupcake Week is something that I love. Like, who doesn't love a cupcake? Like, I want more cupcakes. Like, give me cupcakes all you want because cupcakes are delicious. I want a never-ending supply of cupcakes. You know what people don't ask for when talking about, like, making an order or something. They never ask for more lettuce. Like, hey, on my BLT, can you put extra lettuce on there? 
Hey, on my salad, would you mind putting a little extra lettuce in there? No, nobody asked for lettuce. So I'm actually going to borrow this term from Cole Kublik and I am giving credit where credit is due. This is going to be referred to forever as lettuce week because you don't want it's there. It is what it is. It doesn't really make the sandwich better. And it also doesn't really add any value whatsoever to your regular season schedule. I want to see this week completely destroyed. Now, the SEC in their defense has done a much better job of making sure that the entire schedule is not that of a SEC team against a lower level group of five team and or an FCS team. They've done a much better job of that. They really have. It used to be 14 different opponents, all non-conference playing against lower level competition. All right, And the best game you might have gotten was like Kentucky Vandy. But now the SEC has done a much better job. Now, here are the egregious offenders. Austin P at Alabama. East Tennessee State at Mississippi State. UMass at Texas A&M. UAB at LSU, even though I like UAB. I think that's a really solid non-conference opponent. I just wish it was played in September, not in week 11 of the regular season. All right, There are others, I might add. Western Kentucky at Auburn. I mean, you name it, they got it. I can't stand this week. And they're not, it's not exclusive to the SEC, I might add. This goes on in other places as well. The ACC kind of followed this scheduling model a little bit for a while there. Like Louisiana, for instance, is playing at Florida State, much like UAB, like I just referenced. Louisiana, a very well-respected group of five football team. But for a while there, you saw... Across the board, ACC teams scheduling lower level competition in their second to last week of the regular season to give them basically a break leading into their most important rivalry game of the year. We don't need this. It's not good for college football. You know what the college football season should look like? It should look like a crescendo. Do you guys know what a crescendo is? Like I'm not, I'm not a musician, uh, but I, I know the term. Because a crescendo is basically a music term where it starts softly and then it progressively gets a little bit louder over the course of the note. That's what a crescendo is. So basically, we should be peaking at this point of the season in excitement. Like this should be technically, by the letter of the law, the second most important week of the regular season. Rivalry week being the most important week of the regular season and conference championship week the week after that should be obviously the biggest game of the year. But we don't have that right now. In an effort to give our teams a chance to take a breath, in an effort to give our teams a chance to exhale, we schedule a powder puff opponent in the second to last week of the regular season. I don't want to see it. It's not good for the sport. And hopefully as we continue to move forward, and it does feel like we're getting away from it. Like I said, this is not exclusive to the SEC. And it does appear as though the SEC has been proactive in trying to make sure that these games are a thing of the past. They are. They are being proactive about it. This week, for instance, Ole Miss is at Arkansas. Tennessee is at South Carolina. Georgia's at Kentucky. Florida's at Vanderbilt. You might say, well, Vanderbilt, fine. Florida's little conference game. There have been significant strides made at the SEC conference office to make sure that this is a thing of the past. But it needs to be completely gotten rid of. And it needs to be gotten rid of as soon as humanly possible. Now, hopefully here in a few years, we get to the point 
where the SEC has adopted a nine-game conference schedule. I'm rooting for that as a fan of college football. I hope the ACC follows suit, just like the Big Ten's gone to a nine-game conference schedule, just like the Pac-12's gone to a nine-game conference schedule, and just like the Big Ten has gone to a nine-game conference schedule. I'm hoping that at some point we get to that point, but until we do, these games might still exist at this point of the season. I'm fine, by the way, with Austin P playing at Alabama. Here's why I'm fine with it. One, that ticket is not as in demand as that of a game against, say, Tennessee. Okay? So you're going to say, well, what, what does that matter? Well, I want, because tickets have gotten very expensive, it's gotten very expensive across the board to go and to support your favorite team. I want our sport to be accessible for everybody. Part of the best part of the college football game day experience is being in the stadium. And I know it might be against the likes of, say, Austin P. but guess what? Most families can afford to go see Bama against Austin P. because the tickets are below face value. But if you're getting tickets off the secondary market and LSU's coming to town, guess what? The average family of four cannot afford to go and experience that game firsthand. So I appreciate the significance that these games provide. I understand that aspect of it, appealing to fans that do have a budget when it comes to their expenses and do have a budget when it comes to their entertainment expenses. Two, I understand how important these money games are for the likes of Austin P and East Tennessee State, and UMass, and New Mexico State, and UAB. Like I understand how a million-dollar check from their SEC counterpart or their ACC counterpart, I know how far that goes in being able to provide for not just the current student-athletes of those universities, but also the future student-athletes of those universities. I understand the benefit of these games. But I don't want to see them in November. If they're going to be played, I'm fine with it. Play at week one. Play at week two. When at that point, y'all, we are starved for college football. Starved. Think about how you are sitting at the end of August as week zero is about to start up. Think about some of the games that you consumed as a college football fan in week zero. I watched Vandy take on Hawaii. I watched Ball State, you know, I mean, against Tennessee. Like, I'm talking about games right now. Here, this is the week zero slate. I'll pull it up for you. Uh, Austin P in Western Kentucky. Didn't watch that, <laughs> admittedly. Did, however, watch Nebraska at Northwestern, of course. I watched UConn and Utah State because Utah State was getting ready to play Alabama the next week. So I want to take a peek at what they were. Plus, they also won 11 games last year. I watched Duquesne play Florida State. I watched Wyoming play Illinois. Those games, I might add, those games I watched. What if those games took place in week 11? Would you still watch? The answer is no. Because at this point of the season, you're conditioned to be excited about great matchups. So if we're going to have these money games that currently exist right now, in week 11 of the regular season, let's move them to September, move them to week one, move them to week two, when we're still starved for football and we can't get enough of what they're providing us. Whoa, 
Nelly. I got to stop you and tell you, hit you with a whoa, Nelly. We are not calling it Lettuce Week. Why? Awful. Well, because cupcakes are soft. They're fluffy. By the That's the examining the, the opponent. It's a soft opponent. It's a fluffy opponent. Lettuce Week. We can come up with something better. You said Powder Puff Week. That works. Lettuce Week is just a no-go. I mean, we'll put a poll Lettuce out. Lettuce we'll Week because nobody more of it. Like it's sandwiched between things that are fulfilling, sandwiched between things that matter. This week, for all intents and purposes, doesn't matter. And I don't like having throwaways. Like nothing that we do. Agree, in agree. Football, hey, listen, I don't none of us like the scheduling. It's the okay, naming well, of it though. Nothing that we ever have in college football should be disposable. Everything that we have in college football should matter. This week agree. doesn't matter for many. So I, I don't like it. As a player, I hated it. And even and I know people I know the what the pushback will be. Oh, well, it's good for the players. They're exhausted, they're tired. Is playing football supposed to be easy? Like, is it is it supposed to be, you know, a cakewalk? No. And by the way, there are examples of teams that in Lettuce Week, if you will, uh, no, they're not are calling it Lettuce Week. Teams, there are examples of teams that have actually risen to the occasion and beaten their Power Five counterparts. There, that's that's happened. That's a realistic thing. The Citadel. South it's Carolina, happened, 2015. It's happened many times. Uh, I think like Florida lost to Georgia Southern. I feel like there's been a handful of those. It's it's definitely happened, but it doesn't happen enough to warrant it being played at this point of the year. Like I'd rather see it in September. I'd rather see it, like get it out of the way. Let's just at this point focus on exclusively conference matchups and try to backload your schedule so that your biggest matchups are coming in November, not in September and or the first week or two of October. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all those bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can manage your business with confidence from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed makes hiring all in one place so easy because it takes 10 minutes or less for most small business employers to post a job, according to Indeed Data US. Indeed also has a jaw-dropping pool of talent. In fact, three out of four US online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comstore. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash always. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 offer. All right, since today was very rivalry heavy, okay? A lot of conversation about rivalries and all this other stuff. Talked a little college football playoff rankings. Hit all the different areas and all the different corners of the college football world. We also need to hit this particular corner, all right? We need to hit this one. Because we have another rivalry coming up this weekend. And that is the rivalry. Anyway, I guesses as to what rivalry that is. The rivalry? You don't know it off the top of your head? Come on, man. Lafayette and Lehigh. 
All right, it is the rivalry. It is the oldest rivalry in college football. 157 meetings between Lafayette and Lehigh. Lafayette with an 80, 20, and 5 record against their bitter rivals. They're the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. So you got the Lafayette Leopards, Leopards, excuse me, <laughs> Leopards, the uh, Lafayette Leopards and the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. So a lot to look forward to in this rivalry game. They play for the, I don't even know what they play for, but they've played a lot. All right. Should be awesome. The most played football rivalry in the nation and the longest un uninterrupted rivalry game. So very excited about this game this weekend. If you're excited as well, 1230 Eastern time on ESPN plus on Saturday afternoon. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. For all of us here, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day and we'll be with you tomorrow. But until then, remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.